and like you said earlier, and it's something I honestly hadn't really realized until we started talking today, they did earn their spot in the scene, and they have an enormous fan base because they make the their audience earn their respect for the band. Yeah. And once you have that, you're you're all in. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Hey, Kyle. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I feel like this always starts that way. It's been a while. Like, um, we should uh, we should podcast more often or something. But yeah, we uh, we tend to make plans to do this once a month, if not more. And then we're like, oh shit, is it already snowing? Yeah, <laughs> but this will actually, this is the second podcast of January already, um, and this is the It's All Dead podcast, Kyle Schultz, senior editor Hello. in Chicago, I'm Kyle Hawk, um, and we're doing a podcast today about a day to remember, because we're recording this on January 19th, and on the 22nd, their debut, well, not their debut album, their second album, but the, the album that most people became aware of them uh for those who have heart uh came out 10 years ago and so we decided to have a little discussion about a day to remember and you know i was saying for a long time that i felt like these were like the dumbest podcasts we do but like it's pretty clear at this point we're in our what is this fourth year of existence now like these podcasts (laughs) where we talk about a band and we rank their songs and albums are hands down like the the best podcast we do based on like the feedback and the the amount of people that listen to them so all two of them yeah (laughs) (laughs) ouch um in our face no um but yeah it just seems like i always thought like these are fun discussions for us to have i didn't know if other people did but it's pretty clear that uh people enjoy these conversations. So we're going to do one about a day to remember. Um, and I feel like there's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a really interesting conversation with some good stuff to talk about. Um, before we get started, um, what are you, uh, what are you having to drink tonight as we discuss a day to remember? Uh, tonight I'm drinking Breckenridge Brewery's Avalanche Amber Ale. Whew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Well, uh, I went to Breckenridge, Colorado a couple years ago, and I remember drinking this and really liked it, and I just happened to find it um, a couple days ago and decided I needed that inside of me. That's fantastic. You're always good about that stuff. I need to step out a little bit more. I'm, I'm trying to get better with the beer. Um, tonight, so there's a um, there's a place here called Hotel Tango that distills a variety of hard liquor, including vodka. Um, so I bought some of their vodka because I enjoy it. I've basically just mixed it with cranberry juice on the rocks. Very simple drink, but uh, very tasty. Um, and very not the appropriate drink for a discussion about a day to remember, I feel like. I feel like this is like a PBR conversation or something. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, what I've done is I've actually have two bottles. I'm drinking one and I'm pouring the other one on top of my cat, just getting ready. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Well, a day to remember. You know, this is a band, and, and maybe you had a similar experience. We've only talked, like, very briefly, like, 15 seconds before I pressed record um, about our, your <laughs> history with the band. You know, for me, for those who have hearts about to turn 10, and I, I do remember when that album was released, and I had a friend who was really into it. 
I'll be honest, I wasn't into the album at that point. Um, it took a while for a day to remember to warm up for me. And I think a lot of people share that experience. They definitely have a pretty big core fan base that's been on uh, board with this band for a while. But for a lot of people, a day to remember, it took a while. They had to earn, it felt like they had to earn a lot of respect from from people in the scene. Um, and I know you kind of came in later in the game with the day to remember, but did you get kind of get that perception? Like people didn't really know. And if you admitted you liked them, you were almost like, uh, admitting that, you know, you were siding with a certain style of music that wasn't, I guess, as intricate or intelligent as some people would want. No, I never got that at all. Um, when I felt like I was ostracized because I was having a tough time getting into them for a long time. Um, they're a band I've known about for a very long time. I think I first heard about, maybe listened to them in 2006-ish, um, I want to say I might have uh, allegedly downloaded some of their stuff in college and uh, listened to it, and I don't think I was a fan. And so I, I knew of the band. I knew they were a bit heavier. I kind of cast them off because I was much more into my pop, yeah, uh, phase. Yeah. And I didn't actually listen to them again until maybe 2011, 2012. Someone force-fed me uh, what separates me from you. And even then, I wasn't a big fan of the album, but I liked enough uh, just particular songs on it that I would listen to it over and over, and I've been following them since then. And even then, it I, I wasn't following them closely. I'd listened to their music, but it was really until recently I was very, very selective and cherry-picky for each album and what I'd listened to. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think there are definitely people out there that have had a, a similar experience to that. Where I was coming from is that this was kind of one of the early bands that really embraced that whole easy core style of almost like, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, there was a lot of terms thrown around, kind of the bro core, bro punk. People didn't really know if they were like a pop punk band, if they were a heavy band or what they were trying to do. They were intentionally straddling that line um, and kind of forcing people to to come to them on their terms. And yeah it's a style that they evolved to the point where it's just impossible not to respect what they've been able to do because they've taken a sound that seemed like this isn't going to work. Um, you're, you're playing to too many different audiences right now and they refined it to a point that they literally perfected a genre that they kind of almost created. Um, and yeah. it's been fascinating to watch that evolution. No, definitely. And uh, that's, Part of the thing that took me so long, um, my I'm much more inclined towards pop music than I am heavier music for whatever reason. Uh, it, it's especially like scream metal, that type of hardcore. It has to hit me just right, and once I find a song I like from a band, they'll lure me in. I'll listen to everything they put out, but it's until I hear that one, um, that's what just kind of. It threw me off, and I wasn't sure what to find with a Dater member for a long time. Uh, they drew me in with their pop sound, and the heavier elements of their music always turned me off just a little bit, and I never really knew what it was or why. And uh, once I kind of – they pulled me in with the heavier elements, like I went back and started enjoying a lot more of the discography than I had up until then. Yeah, once you get into it, it's it's pretty easy to, to kind of breeze through their discography. You know, for me – I spend too much time on the internet. Um, 
And there have been times where I probably let the internet form my opinions more than I would care to admit. And A Day to Remember was kind of an example of that. Uh, this was a band that early on the uh, the message boards, I guess, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the threads didn't necessarily uh, think kindly of A Day to Remember uh, for some <laughs> of those, the reasons I was mentioning earlier. And so when Homesick came out, that was the album for me that really clicked. And I was afraid at that point because I was kind of like, oh, no, I really like this. Is this okay? Like people are supposed to hate this band, right? And I couldn't help it. And I, Come on, they're not 303. <laughs> that's very true. Um, but there was, there was a stigma there. Like the, it, that did exist. And I'll, I'll never forget going to Warp Tour. And I think it was 2009 because Homesick had been released. And A Day to Remember was on the tour that year. And they were playing one of the side stages, like uh, the Monster Energy stage. I don't remember if that, I don't think that's what it was called back then. But that that stage, not the main stage. And I remember walking over for their set. And it, to this day, is still the biggest crowd I have ever seen for a band on Warp Tour. And especially considering they weren't playing the main stage. Like, I, it was breathtaking. This in, Just this sea of people. And I, I had a digital camera with me, and I remember taking a picture just because I was so astounded that this many people were watching this band. And that's when it, I was kind of like, you know what? Like, I'm done putting up pretenses. I really enjoy this band. And I loved their set that day. I had a blast. Uh, Mike Ranica of uh, the Devil Wars Prada came out to perform a song with them. It was it was just so much fun. Nice. From that moment, I was just all in. I was like, I'm going to enjoy this band because I really like their music. And I feel like that was a big kind of turning point for me who who could tend to be kind of a, a jaded or even a sometimes an elitist music listener um, to kind of to let myself go and just enjoy the hell out of a day to remember. No, that's just because you're an asshole. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I... Honestly, up until this exact moment, I didn't know there was that type of stigma around them back at the time. Like, by the time I'd gotten into the band, they were already, as far as I knew anyway, well-established. Like, um, I remember seeing them on the cover of Alternative uh, Press and being like, well, I know who it is, but I, I don't really listen to them. I, I guess yeah. I'll read the article. And I did, and that's what kind of, when uh, one of my friends gave me What Separates Me From You, I'd read that article, and I was like, uh Oh, all right, I, I'll listen. Yeah. And uh, you know, they already had their loyal base. They were already um, a big deal, and it's just I was having trouble getting into them even then. And I felt like I don't know what I'm missing because they have such a hardcore fan base. Yeah, and so it it makes sense that you did miss that because by the time what separates me from you came out, they had already kind of turned that corner, and people were on board with them. And here in just a moment. We're going to, you know, rank the albums and count down our top 10 favorite songs from the band. Before we do that, I want to talk about the one last point that I think kind of sealed the deal for a day to remember in terms of perception and the way people viewed them and how they went from being a band trying to earn respect to a band that had literally almost universal respect. Um, and it came from the Victory Records drama. And by the time yes. What Separates Me From You had come out, that was starting to really churn and not surprisingly, because pretty much every band that signed a victory and had some form of success has had major problems with the victory records. Like it's just everybody knows the history there. It's, you know, we could go down the list, taking back Sunday, yeah. Hawthorne Heights, a day to remember was the latest. And by the time that happened, 
it felt like everybody jumped on their side. Like even people that weren't into their music were like, no, fuck Victory Records. We've had enough of this. We're pulling for A Day to Remember. And in doing so, A Day to Remember kind of came became the first band that fought the law and won. I mean, they they went up yeah. against Victory Records and actually won. They they won the court case. I mean, whatever it was, they, they got out of their contract. They owned the rights to their music. They were able to make new music on their own. And I think that whole experience, like people were so ready to see a band like actually win out um, against a shitty label and they did it. And I, I think in doing so, like they became kind of this signature band that everybody was like, yes, those guys, like, even if I don't like the, their music, I respect the hell out of those guys. Yeah, no, that's actually what really pulled me into them as well, because um, when that all started, Victory was uh, notorious for having a just bad reputation. Just you, you heard nonstop stories about it everywhere you looked. And um, even though I wasn't really, I enjoyed A Day to Remember, but I wasn't all in with them. When that came out and they released Common Courtesy on their own, I bought it the second it came out. Yeah. I want to do anything I possibly could to support them. Yeah. Absolutely. I think a lot of people did the same thing. I mean, that and that album, they just released kind of on their own. You had to buy it through their website and it still did incredibly well. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is a good time to go ahead and talk about the albums. Um, Common Courtesy, as it just so happens, was the first review of an album we ever published at It's All Dead. Um, so we definitely have a history with uh, A Day to Remember. And you actually reviewed their latest album, Bad Vibrations, last year. Um, and so what oh, we usually you don't say, yeah, I do say, um, what we usually do at this point, uh, in these discussions is we each individually rank the albums from favorite to least favorite. Um, these are not some definitive rankings. They're just kind of a, it's a fun discussion point for us. Now, what is something to note before we start this and, uh, all the data remember fans get mad at us. We are not including the first, the debut album from a day to remember um which is called uh my name was treason treason or something along those lines because um it just for me it's disingenuous i never listened to the album i mean i've listened to it but not enough uh for me to feel like i can have a discussion about it in this context um and i know that it's the same thing for you so we're actually going to start as if you know we're going from for those who have heart up to bad vibrations so five albums we're going to rank um and kyle i'll let you kind of kick it off for us Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't have a lot to say for my number five and number four on this um, because I I came in with what separates me from you, and I was kind of iffy on it even then. And uh, I remember enjoying the record enough, I bought the Homesick and For Those Who Have Heart. And... I like those albums, but there is just something that didn't click with me for either one. And uh, it's only recently I've gone back and I've started actually enjoying them. And I just don't know enough about either one. I haven't listened to Homesick or For Those Who Have Heart enough to really have an opinion on them. Um, what I can say is for Homesick, I don't know why I hated this album when I did. Mm. Um you know, and it was just even a couple years ago, it was something I'd listened to. I was already a fan of the band, and it just it didn't click with me, and I have no idea why. Uh, I listened to it the other day, and I, I don't know enough about it to um, have an opinion. What I can say 
is if this were on Facebook, I would click like, and I'd probably come back and try to like it again. Uh, I I just don't know that much about it. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was much heavier than it was. I I just don't know. Okay. And uh, for those for those who have heart, I can hear the band more in that album for some reason. I don't know really why. I think it's just I feel like there's much more classic elements of the pop sound they have now uh, in there. It sounds like a, for me, it sounds like a weird mixture of something along the lines of like Hawthorne Heights meets the Academy is. And uh, yeah, it, it's something that it sounds like the time it was written in. It sounds like 2007. And I understand why I glanced over it when it came out. Cause it sounds like the year it came out. It didn't stand out to me sure. uh, right around the era. There were, a dime a dozen bands like this and yeah i just didn't pay any attention because there were so many it was impossible to find something that was going to stick around and um going back to it now i can see the foundations where the band is now laid out in this album but again i just don't know enough i haven't listened to it enough to have an opinion on it um what i do know is the only album from or the only song from this album that i remember liking is i think I want to say it's Monument is from this album. Okay. Uh, I love that song. <laughs> Fair enough. So those are your five and four then. Yeah. Cool. What's three? Uh, what separates me from you? It's uh, it's the first album I got from the band. It's the one that lured me in with, uh, you know, the pop songs they had. I, it, I listened to the entire thing all the way through. And it was kind of hit or miss with me. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't fully into it. And um, as hacky as it may sound, all signs point to Lauderdale pulled me in immediately. Oh, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I was just like, wow, that is a single. And it got me so good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it... I really fell in love with that song and went back and just kept listening to the album because of that song. And uh, it's really weird because it really sets the foundation for what I found in Common Courtesy. Uh, and it sets, it's less cohesive than Bad Vibrations by a long shot. But um, it, it's something that it has what I think it's the essentials of the modern day to remember. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, number two for me is Bad Vibrations. I, I feel like it's the most cohesive album they put out. It's a nice mixture of heavy and pop. Um, it focuses on the heavy, which I like because I hadn't enjoyed any of their heavier albums until this one came out. Mm. Uh, I really like the thematic elements to it. I really enjoy... It's the first time I've really, really, really enjoyed Jerry McKinnon's uh, Screaming. Um because I, I fell in love with those clean vocals, and it's the first time that I was there like, yeah, there we go. Okay. And there's a lot of songs in here that I just fell in love with my first time through. And um, I it's the first album they put out where I feel like they knew what they were doing from the start and followed it all the way through. Everything before this, um, like we mentioned earlier, it's a mixture of different sounds they had. And they it feel like they were cherry-picking songs themselves to feel what they enjoyed playing as opposed to what would flow cohesively sometimes. And this is the first album that I've heard from them where it sounds like it start to finish. It's a complete set. Okay. 
and uh, my favorite album by them is Common Courtesy. Uh, like I said before, I lean more towards the pop elements, but this album reminds me a little bit of AFI's Crash Love album. Uh, and the reason for that is it takes a look at the pop punk scene, and for a band that's known for their heavier elements, they show the younger bands how to make a nearly straight-ass punk album correctly. It's just infused with nostalgia, uh, songs of City of songs like City of Ocala, right back at it again. Uh, they're a thank you note for literally everyone who got them where they were now, who pushed them through uh, the lawsuit with victory. Right. Um, and it takes a meta approach that made the one year so amazing to me a couple years before that, where they start describing the experience of being a band itself and the drama that surrounds that and just how much it almost feels much more powerful uh, telling a story like that than for the typical just like, oh, girls, oh, I'm so lost in the world approach <laughs> that a lot of bands take. And um, just the jabs it took at Victory Records itself before they're even really in the clear of the lawsuit. They're already right. taking uh, victory laps around the ring. <laughs> and for a band that's known for being heavy, uh, they had some amazing acoustic ballads yeah uh it, it had some really really good songs on it and it includes my favorite song they've ever written which is right back at it again again as hacky mm. as it may sound uh that's my that's my song <laughs> so i feel like if i would have ranked these for you before you started talking i would have put them in the exact order that you just read them off. Although maybe I would have switched on homesick and for those who have heart, but um, Hooray! Yeah, I think I, I feel like I know you well and, uh, and you did not <laughs> let me down with your, uh, with your assessments of the albums. It's really interesting. You comparing the uh, common courtesy to the crash love album as well. Um, you know, mine's a little bit different, um, but I do think we're going to have some similarities. First of all, um, and, and this one will get me burned at the stake. I'm sure uh, by all the, the hardcore data remember fans I put for those who have heart last and simply it's because it's of the five we're talking about it's the one I'm the least familiar with but you know I've obviously listened to it uh, fairly often and um, I it's the it's definitely the launching point for them there's still there's still a young band on that album and there's some good songs there but they get so much better as they go along that it's hard for me to like if I, I feel like anybody that wants to argue for those who have heart over some of these other albums is simply doing it for nostalgia's sake, not because the songs are better or because the, the production is better. It's just you can't make that argument. Um, but there, it's definitely the building blocks for what the band was going to become. Uh, the next one for me is what separates me from you. And, you know, putting it in fourth place makes it sound bad. I actually really enjoy this album and I probably enjoy it more than a lot of people because I feel like this album got kind of a bad rap when it came out, mostly because the duality of it. It seems like they couldn't really pick which side, you know, they were going to play to. Um, and it's almost like a, a bonus disc of homesick in some ways as well. But that was my main issue with it when it came out. Like that's why I had such a hard time with, I couldn't tell what type of band they were. Yeah. Now on the other hand, there are some, I'd say about half the songs on it are incredible. And I, I listen to them regularly. The other half of the songs I almost never listen to. So that's kind of the problem for me with what separates me from you. But there are some fantastic songs on there, which I'll actually get to when we do our songs list. Uh, number three is Bad Vibrations. I'm still digesting this album a little bit. I, I know I like it. 
um, but I haven't gone back to it as much as I would like to. You know, when Common Courtesy came out, I felt like I was listening to it nonstop uh, for quite a while. Bad Vibrations has been more of, it's been kind of a slow progression for me. Um, they've definitely, again, kind of grown. They've tightened their sound just like they do on every album. Um, but it's still a little hit or miss for me. Uh, number two is Homesick. And it's hard for me not to put that album number one just because it's, one, there is the nostalgia factor. Really, the only reason it's number two is because it's kind of a one-trick pony. Uh, a lot of the songs are very similar in song structure. You get the verse, chorus, <laughs> verse, chorus, chugga, chugga, breakdown, loud, angry voice, and then chorus again. Like pretty much every song on that album is exactly <laughs> that. But man alive, are these songs good. Man, are the choruses good. Like this is one of my songs that the minute the the sun comes out and spring and summer roll around, I I roll the windows down and I blast this album loud. Like I all the songs I know I'm like the back of my hand and I just, I, I love this album. Um, and I, it's definitely, it has some cheesy moments. Uh, it's, uh, it is what it is, but it is, it is so much fun. And then number one is common courtesy and pretty much for all the reasons you listed, this is hands down to me, their most diverse album. There's so many different songs. There's like radio rock songs. There's the acoustic songs you talked about. Um, there's some of the typical a day to remember stuff, but it's like everything they do, whether it's the really heavy songs or the really poppy songs, they do it better than they do on any of the other albums. And, yeah. and I'm with you, like the, the, uh, shade they're throwing at victory records on this album is so awesome. Um, <laughs> it, it's just so good. It's such a, it's such a fun album to listen to. So, uh, that's why it ranks number one for me. Yay. Yay. So, uh, in addition to ranking the albums, we also list our top 10 favorite songs. Um, who should go first on this? You want to go first? It's sure. I'm sure I, I don't have it quite the array of reasons you will. <laughs> yeah, you def- this is going to be terrible. Just, just skip it. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go for it. All right. Um, let's see. I don't know if I wrote these in any particular order, so we'll just kind of go down my list yeah uh bad vibrations from bad vibrations i i feel like it's a complete heavy song and it contains the influences um of a band and what they've wanted to do all along like it it feels like it's back to basics from what at least i know of them and what i thought i knew of them and it's the first time where their heavier music really kind of got to me i'm like all right here we go and uh it just kind of laid the foundation, I thought, for what the record was going to be. Sure. From a common courtesy, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Good song. I, for me, this was the song that really took some of the sharpest barbs at Victory Records. Like not directly, but more just kind of through reference. Um, I, I think a lot of people think the document speaks for itself is the song that really uh, takes the punches. But I feel like this one was much more subtle, much more passive, but it takes a much deeper stab with just like the chorus line of you want to take, 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 take it away from me. And just the absolute rage behind the lines where he's just singing like, it's never what you've done, it's what you've done lately. Who cares what you're saying if no one's listening? You don't have to like me, but you're going to respect me. Like the anger behind that is uh, just incredible. Yep. Um, All Signs Point to Lauderdale is 
I, I feel like the, the essential song for people who like their pop music, it's what drew me in initially. And uh, it's still one of the songs I go back to. And I feel like it's their hackiest song they've ever written. <laughs> yep, I agree. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the first song where I realized McKinnon could do clean vocals and do them incredibly. Uh, it, it laid, it's a silly song of rebellion and it laid some of the thematic elements of what was going to appear on Common Courtesy. And I feel like it was kind of a rallying cry for uh, fans of the band who didn't know what to expect from them. Uh, especially for people like me who didn't know what really the band was settling on. This song seemed like something you kind of get behind and just be like, all right, I, I got this. We can do it. Right. <laughs> um, let's see. Paranoia from Bad Vibrations. Oh, yeah. It, it's a powerhouse of a song. And it reminds me of why I used to love Rise Against, except so mm -hmm. much better. <laughs> wow, yeah. It uh, it almost feels simplistic in design, but just the energy and the rage that is behind it is what the band is made of. And that breakdown is just nasty. Oh, it's so brutal. <laughs> oh, I'm dying. Um, <laughs> and uh, Bullfight from Bad Vibrations is the song I remember from that album. Yeah, that oh my god, that album the most. <laughs> it's uh, the slow build up leading into just the brutal chorus and there's a palpable energy behind it and um, just the lyricism where it encourages anyone who feels out of place. And just, it's the band that seems like they didn't quite know where they were throughout most of their career is the one promising to be the spark to light someone uh, to lead them away from just staring at the ground and feeling alone all this time. Mm. Um, and then most of my favorites honestly come from common courtesy. I, uh, City of Ocala is just a power pop blast that sets the tone for the album. It's a reminder of, you know, just how thankful the band is on why they are where they are. Right. It sounds like all time low, except a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's just, it doesn't feel out of place compared to everything else they've done. And it's a song about, you know, achieving your dreams despite the odds of, uh, against you along the entire way and what can happen if you persevere and then right behind it is my favorite song which is right back at it again and i don't give a shit i love this song and i feel like it might be the second hackiest song they've ever done <laughs> it's a good song like it, oh the guitars are so heavy but they're still poppy uh mckinnon's vocals are so clean but he's such a good singer yeah and I prefer that over screamy vocals and it's a sister song to city of Ocala and it, it just sets, it's set up so perfectly. And again, it's a, another song about just resilience and the sacrifices needed in order to be a successful band, but it's an amazing song. And, um, it's a song I give to other people when I'm trying to get them into the band and it just, it keeps throwing you off guard, even though it's a predictable song, all the way up until just the ending, where it's just an acoustic strum and an acapella of the band going, bitch. <laughs> it's the <laughs> ultimate a day to remember moment, honestly. It really is. And uh, lastly, I'm Already Gone from Common Courtesy is a masterpiece of an acoustic ballad. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the starting line. Uh, after they put out their debut album, they put out an acoustic EP. And I remember back at the time, a, acoustic songs, at least for me, other than Saves the Day, 
who had an acoustic EP. It was just, they were sprinkled in. You get one an album, and they're usually good, but nothing to think about. And Starting Line put out an acoustic EP that caught me so off guard. I didn't know how uh, bands could really top that. It's just how focused it was being an acoustic album uh, really captured my attention. And I got that same feeling of inspiration from I'm Already Gone. It's just, it's an intricate acoustic songs with um, really the strings in the background, just the crisp vocals, the way that they're gang vocals singing the I and I'm Already Gone, where it just tickles your genitals. It's uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's a song about, you know, singing about someone you love and having to leave them to achieve your dreams and but you need to make those come true. And that really is the focal point of what common courtesy is all about uh, beyond just, you know, the nostalgia and the we're going to make it factor. It's about, yeah. you know, just sacrificing everything you need to, to achieve what you're going to. Yeah. That's a really and great breakdown. Those, those are my songs, Monsieur. Nice list. We had a couple crossovers, but we've got a lot of uh, different ones as well. I'd actually oh, been... Shit. Yeah, I've been wrestling all day with a three-way tie at number ten, um, and one of this one of the three was "I'm Already Gone," and I, I think uh, so. I had that Mr. Highway's thinking about the end, and then end of me. And today I was listening through all these, trying to help myself know where to rank them. And I, I think I did land on "End of Me" being number ten from Common Courtesy. It is like the most radio rockish song they've ever done, but damn, it is good. Like it is just, it is a good song, and I've got kind of a soft spot for that genre that I don't like to admit very much, but um, it's just a great song. And we haven't, we haven't given enough credit to uh, Jeremy McKinnon in this podcast for his, his growth as a vocalist. This is an example of like, he couldn't have done end of me, you know, in 2007, like just his growth as an artist and his ability to kind of transform and learn more about how to use his voice, like led to him being able to do some of these things that we've been talking about, do some of these songs. And end of me is a perfect example of, uh, just a completely different thing that he's capable of. Uh, number nine is Second Sucks, and it is a <laughs> cheesy faux metalcore breakdown fest. Um, but I love it. I, I don't know if I have a good reason for why. It just it definitely gets me amped. It's one of those songs that when you're working out and it comes on shuffle, you're just like, oh yeah, and you can kind of take it to the next level. And it's kind of the ultimate like a day to remember we're angry, pissed off sort of thing. Uh, which is kind of the thing. Uh, I mean, they've gotten a little better at it, but there was a time where that it was just like, man, guys, you're really angry. Chill out. Um, but second sucks is a really fun song. And if you've ever seen him play it live, it's just, it's so much fun to watch them, uh, to watch them perform that. Uh, number eight for me was life at 11. And this is one I'm surprised didn't make your list just cause it's like the, it's, it's like their best pop punk song in my opinion. Like it's got a killer chorus. Um, it's just to me, just like you said about one of the other songs, it's kind of like one of the best songs that all time wrote all time low never wrote. Like um, it's, it's a blast. Um, it, it is weird to me that it's tucked so deep onto common courtesy. Cause I feel like it definitely could have made the, the front half of that album and been a single. Uh, you know, the funny thing is that song was almost on my list. I just barely knocked it off. Yeah. It's, I, I love it. The, this band is so good at writing choruses, and that's, that's a really good example of it. Uh, number seven is Better Off This Way from What Separates Me From You. And I this is one, this is a cheesy song. Um, this is a, a clear kind of we're trying to cross over a little bit song, but I really enjoy it. 
Um, again, another killer chorus. And, and this is the song for me where I really took notice of Jeremy's singing ability, where I was like, whoa, this guy can really sing. Like these melodies are really crisp. He's nailing this song. Um, and it's a song that I'm surprised wasn't bigger than it, than it was. Number six is the document speaks for itself for reasons that you kind of touched on with common courtesy. It's kind of, to me, it's the ultimate in your face song to victory records. And the fact that this song leaked with that voicemail from Tony Brummel attached to the front of it, like just made it so much better. Cause <laughs> he's basically like <laughs> flipping out talking about, I'm going to sue you. And then this song kicks in and I, they obviously didn't leave it like that for the album, but I really wish they would have because uh, I just, <laughs> it's so awesome. So, so awesome. Uh, number five is I'm made of wax, Larry. What are you made of? And it's one of the first songs that I really got into with the day to remember. And I love the back and forth between uh, Mike from the Devourous Prada and Jeremy during the song's bridge. It's just so much fun. Great chorus. This is just, this is a great example of a day to remember right in their wheelhouse doing what they do best uh, with kind of the cheesy breakdown. And, uh, and, and the video is really cool too, because Mike's in the video and they kind of have, it's like a, kickball game only mike's the umpire and jeremy and mike get into a screaming match when they're doing their back and forth vocals and it's really <laughs> really clever really cute um number four is paranoia you said it uh this song is extremely tight well produced again sounds like a sounds like rise against uh only way more fun and that they do like the thing, the day to remember, like they've always had this thing of like really angry scream line from Jeremy McKinnon and then breakdown. And this song is the best one of those that they've ever done the, with the uh, I am your breaking point and then dun, 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 like the, the breakdown hits and it is just filthy. Um, man, that song is good. He, easily the best song from uh, Bad Vibrations for me. Uh, number three is Sometimes You're the Hammer, Sometimes You're the Nail. And I actually put it up this high for different reasons. I mean, I, I agree with everything that you said about the song. But for me, it was kind of the first glimpse of vulnerability from Jeremy, like a guy that just always seems like so angry and pissed off in his songs. Like the, the song, like the music kind of cuts out and it goes real soft with just like some guitar strums. And he sings, um, I reserve my right to feel uncomfortable. I reserve my right to be afraid. And like, you're just like, whoa, who is this guy? Like, it's like this really delicate moment of vulnerability and i for whatever reason i just loved that at the time and i still love it i think it's uh i think it was a much needed thing to come from a day to remember um number two is my life for hire um you know this song fits that mold from homesick just like i talk with the verse chorus verse chorus breakdown chorus it is exactly that but the chorus is so catchy this is the first song i reach for uh in the summer, you know, when I want to roll down the windows and enjoy the breeze and put on a song, my life for hire is the one that goes on. And I don't know if I can really give you any more reason for why it's that high other than that, than for that, that very <laughs> trivial reason. Uh, number one is all I want. And this song means a lot to me. Um, you know, I've, I've written on the site and, and talked on this podcast about some of my own personal struggles, uh, depression, anxiety. This is a, this is one of a select group of songs for me that I can put on that can, uh, has the, the very unique ability to lift my spirits. And it's kind of, it's a very, very, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Cause you could, you could look at it as shallow if you wanted to. Um, but I think there's also a way to view it. That's very empowering. 
um, for for the listener. One, the band is talking about themselves and you know just the uh, the community of the scene, um, and, and specifically what Jeremy wants to convey through his music. But you can also interpret it as the listener as a way to kind of find that strength within yourself. And it's a great song; it's really catchy. Um, but I also feel like it's a very uplifting and powerful song. It's kind of a day to remember at their best when you think about the way they're able to rally their fans and the way they're able to kind of to lift people up. It, it's it's the quintessential song in that aspect for me when it comes to a day to remember. So that's my list. Well played, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something I wanted to ask you is, you know, usually after we have that discussion, we do a little uh, talk about just what the band means to the scene and a day to remember we already talked they went from a band that people were on the fence about and kind of had to warm up to to being one of the biggest bands in the scene and i i would argue that they kind of displaced all-time low as the signature band for this scene uh over the past few years what are your thoughts no i totally agree with that um well it's one of those weird things where it it sounds like it's a it's a very cherry-picked timeline, but Blink-22 breaks up, and there's something trying to fill that void of just the pop-punk band, and All Time Low took that spot for a while, but um, just their style of songwriting, their whatever it is, you know, their growth, they, they filled that void for a while, and they've slowly kind of grown out of it, and they've done their own thing. They're not the replacement Blink-22 anymore, mm-hmm. and, but... With that, they've also lost. They have a massive fan base, but you don't hear that much about them anymore. Yeah. Um, they're they're just doing their own thing, and they're a band, but they're, you know, that's what that's what happens. But with that, uh, there's still this weird void where you're looking for a band who can kind of sit at the top in a weird way and just kind of rally the fans for, uh, you know, the genre of music, for pop punk. And I really do feel like A Day to Remember kind of entices that a lot more than most bands do. And I think part of that is the fact that they're not the most cohesive band. They they touch in every genre that yeah. you're looking for when it comes to rock music. And I feel like they're, they struggled enough finding their voice and finding their sound where they can do an effective song in almost any genre. Uh and like you said earlier, and it's something I honestly hadn't really realized until we started talking today, they did earn their spot in the scene, and they have an enormous fan base because uh, I always thought I was kind of alone in having trouble picking up on them. But they also seem to have the effect they make the their audience earn their respect for the band. Yeah. And once you have that, you're, you're all in. And... Um, they might be one of the few bands on the scene where, you know, they maybe they struggle a bit more. I don't know. I don't know enough about that time in their career. But whatever they have now, they've earned possibly more than anyone else. Yeah, I agree completely. They've definitely earned it. Um, you know, and I, I go back to that, you know, 2009 Warp Tour, just that massive crowd and that realization of like, whoa, something's going on here. And to to think about how much this band has gone through since that time and how much they've still continued to push themselves, still continue to grow, still continue to attract more fans. It's, it's mind blowing. Um, I, I want to say that, you know, when we talk about biggest band in the scene, uh, we, we have this conversation 
fairly regularly when we do these kinds of podcasts. We're not talking about we're not including bands that have crossed over in this conversation. So, you know, like a Paramore or Fall Out Boy, we're just talking about bands that are still kind of part of this community. Um, and, and I do. We're also pulling that out of our ass. Cause we're all like, we tend to be like, who are you listening to today? Well, I'm still listening to the wonder years a year and a half after they put out their last album. What are you listening to? Well, I'm still listening to this. Oh, right. do you think people like this? Yeah. yeah they're <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, but something that struck me is this past summer when Blink-182 went on tour and they picked a day to remember. And you almost feel like there would have been a time where Blink-182 would have made fun of a band, like a day to remember. And now, you know, in 2016, they respect them enough to hold that second slot on this big comeback tour that they do. And not only that, you know, I, I know you saw this tour as well, but there were a lot of people there that were really amped up about a day to remember. It wasn't like everybody was just kind of standing there cross armed waiting for blink One Eighty Two. Like there was a yeah. lot of a day to remember fans there. I mean, it, I, it was, I was astonished at the amount of people that were like getting, getting wild during a day to remember set. Did I tell you about my uh, experience going to see that? I don't remember if I mentioned that. Yeah. Or you, not. you got there late because of traffic or something. Oh, fucking Chicago, fuck this city. I, uh, I left three hours before the show. Uh, I might be exaggerating, but not by much. And I was super pissed off because traffic was so bad. It took me almost that entire time to get to the stadium. And I thought A Day to Remember was going first. And they're the band I wanted to see as much as Blink-182. And I was furious that I had missed them. And um, I... I don't care that much about all American rejects. I just, I just don't. And, uh, oh, I was so mad. I wanted to just pull off my car and drive through the gutters and <laughs> kick alligators. I don't know what sits in the gutters. And, uh, I remember just that drive getting up to the stadium and just being furious. And I, it's the middle of summer and I have my windows down and I can hear a day to remember playing in the background. And I have that sudden realization of, oh, they have second spot. Oh my God. God, they're opening for Blink-22 in the second spot out of three. Yeah. What? <laughs> and just sitting there in the summertime with my windows down, listening to them, you know, from a distance, but still just that glowing respect for they're not the, I not not to slam All American Rejects, but they're not the opener for these two bands. They're right in the middle, and they're opening for Blink-22 out of three uh, big bands. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that we haven't mentioned is that this band is really good live. You know, they, they do what they do really well. And, you know, it you can view it as cheesy with kind of the synchronized head banging they do. They're very self-aware, in my opinion. Um, but they pull off their performances extremely well. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to shoot photos uh, of a lot of different bands at shows. And to this day, A Day to Remember is absolutely the most fun band to shoot. Like, they are, they are so fun on stage. Every time I've shot them... Uh, Jeremy has come down to the front of the stage and made a silly face into my camera lens. And I, they're just, they're such, they, they know who they are and they know what they're doing and they're having so much fun with it. And uh, it's, it's hard. It's just infectious. It's hard to not like that, not enjoy it. Um, one thing I want to ask as we wrap this up is about longevity. You know, if you would have asked me back in 2009, how long I thought they could hold this up, I probably wouldn't have guessed, you know, that, 
they had a decade in them that they were going to be at the top of the game. <laughs> but here we are. I mean, they've they've managed to evolve. Is there more room for them to grow? Is there more room for them to kind of keep this going? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that really makes them unique is they have dipped their toes in, like I said earlier, they've dipped them, their toes in everything, and they've come out on top of it. Uh, the worst thing you can be in music, especially nowadays, is a one-trick pony. Yeah. And I think what they're able to do is they might dip their toes into just genre after genre, but they come out playing music that almost feels like they're teaching a lesson to other bands of the same genre, even though mm -hmm. they're focusing on it maybe half as much. And it, it's just they're a band who has earned their spot where they are. They've earned um, – their credentials in whatever genre they want, whether it's pop, whether it's pop punk, whether it's acoustics or, you know, hardcore, it's they've fought their way to the forefront. And I, they have fans, like I'm a fan of their pop music and I still love their hardcore. You like their hardcore music, but their pop music is just as good. Yeah. They're drawing in fans from different genres that honestly have a tough time finding middle ground for a lot of times. And um, I think they've got, they've, like I, we've said before, they've made their fan base earn their respect. And I think at the very least, they've got room to experiment and play around with uh, music the way other, other bands don't. And I think uh, that gives them a lot of room for error. Even if they put out some bad records, I don't see that happening. But even if they do, I think they have enough of a fan base that's going to appreciate whatever it is for however long they wish to keep doing it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this band's got plenty more, plenty more in them, uh, and it's going to be exciting to see where they take it. Uh, for now, we want to say congratulations to A Day to Remember on 10 years since For Those Who Have Hearts. Uh, we are looking forward to what comes next, hopefully a, a big tour this year as well. We love you. Give us free tickets. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this podcast on A Day to Remember. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, anywhere you want to listen to your podcast, subscribe to It's All Dead, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing, and then come visit the site, itsalldead.com. Um, that's it. Kyle, thank you for joining and sharing your thoughts about A Day to Remember. This thank was truly a podcast to remember. Yay! I, oh, I, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Uh, catch you next time. So. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.